Hey guys, Dr. Cassie here, and for this episode, sponsored by Merck Animal Health, I'm joined by Dr. Addie Reinhard to discuss MentorBet. I know this talk led me to need to know more about this amazing program. The conversation surrounding burnout and mental health in the veterinary profession is not new. However, almost everything we do for our patients is based in research, so why not our own well-being and mental health? MentorVet is a growing, evidence-based initiative to help support early career veterinarians. In addition to CE credit, it offers resources such as financial coaching, mental health coaching, social connections, and more, all research-based and ever-growing and changing. Check it out. It's amazing. My guest, Dr. Addie Reinhardt, is equally as amazing and so fun to talk to. Dr. Reinhardt is the founder and CEO of MentorVet, an evidence-based mentorship and professional development program for recent veterinary graduates. She's a veterinary well-being researcher, and her research focuses on developing and evaluating innovative interventions to support the mental health and well-being within the veterinary profession. She's on the research team for the third phase of the Merck Animal Health Veterinary Wellbeing Study, a huge career goal for her, as we will learn. In 2021, she completed a master's degree in community and leadership development and a graduate certificate in college teaching and learning from the University of Kentucky, and holds a certificate in veterinary human support from the University of Tennessee. She is also a certified QPR instructor, which stands for Question, Persuade, Refer, if, like me, you did not know what that means. I am so happy that we got to have her on the podcast. Her program and her information is so innovative and so impressive. Let's go ahead and learn more about it. Well, I am joined today by Dr. Addie Reinhardt to talk about something that I just think is so cool. We're going to talk about mentor vets. So Addie, Dr. Reinhardt, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Super excited to chat with you. Yes. I want to get the word out about this. This is so cool. Let's just start at the beginning. You have a really cool background story about the experiences that you had in your career that brought you to this place. So can you give us just kind of a brief summary of, of your story and who you are? Yeah. So I'm a 2015 grad from University of Tennessee, practiced small animal general practice for around four years in the Lexington, Kentucky region. That's where I'm currently based. And in my career, I've already experienced pretty severe burnout twice, once at about seven, eight months out into practice. And then once again, at about three years into practice. And I think through those experiences, recognized how important good mentorship and support is in the transition of practice. Luckily, I did have good mentors both in and out of practice that could help me through those tough moments in my career. But as I started talking with more of my classmates and realizing that this was not just a me issue, this was an industry-wide issue, recognize this gap in resources available for specifically our early career vets and starting to look at some of the literature around mental health and well-being within the profession. I also saw this gap in the literature for kind of research-based interventions to support mental health and well-being. So after I got through burnout the second time, I really felt this calling to be able to give back to the veterinary profession and support those who might need it and quit my full-time job in 2019 
I went back to school at University of Kentucky. I got my master's in community and leadership development. And it was there that I really got the tools, resources, and education and training that I needed to develop the MentorVet program. So a lot of my training and education was around research and program evaluation, as well as community development, leadership, adult education, as well as I did a certificate program in veterinary human support from University of Tennessee, kind of simultaneously during this, as well as a graduate certificate in college and teaching and learning. So I was quite busy during that two years, but through that piloted the first iteration of MentorVet in the summer of 2020, and we saw some really promising results. And so one of my research mentors, Dr. Elizabeth Strand had connected with me with leaders at Merck Animal Health. They found out about the project and wanted to help support it in whatever way possible. So within the spring of 2021, I defended my master's thesis, started MentorVet as a formal entity. And Merck became our founding sponsor. And so it was a, it was a time of change and transformation for me going from grad student to now leading MentorVets and, and its growth. And over the last year, we have really exploded with growth. So we had around 75 vets participate in our five-month mentorship and professional development program in the fall. And in the spring, we have had around 150 veterinarians, and these are early career vets participating in our program. We have a growing community of over 100 mentors within our community that are all helping to support these early career professionals. So it's, it's just been really humbling to see the, the profession coming together to support such an important initiative. And so that's kind of my full-time job now is just leading the mentor vet program, you know, as we're growing. We're looking at how we can not only support early career vets, but also evidence-based interventions to support the rest of the veterinary profession. So as we go forward, we're looking at other ways that we can support veterinarians. Other hats that I wear is that of a researcher. So I, I was on the research team for the Merck Wellbeing Study. I'm a suicide prevention instructor, and uh, I do a lot of speaking on, on leadership and as well as well-being topics. So that's just a little bit about me. Yeah. And my story. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. You have been busy. And I mean, I feel like I'm a 2014 grad and I'm like, oh no, like we just graduated, but no, I guess it has been like more years than I might want to admit, but yeah, it's been a, a, a busy career for you thus far transitioning into, like you said, leading and helping grow this amazing program. I think it's such a cool concept. And Addie, do you mind if I put you on the spot a little bit because burnout is such a big issue in our profession what were some of the warning signs to you that you're like, I'm experiencing burnout? And you mentioned that you had really good mentors during that time who could help you see it for what it was and, and help you through that. But do you mind if I put you on the spot there and ask like what some of the warning signs were for you? You're yeah, you're good. I'm, I'm very open about my experiences, which is part of what helped me through burnout as being open to talking about it. And so for me, I, I remember a very specific moment. I think those of us who have experienced really severe burnout can often pinpoint that exact moment where we were like, oh, there's a problem here. And I might, maybe didn't have a word for it at the time, but I remember there was a particularly challenging day. I was by myself at the clinic. We had a crazy busy day. And I just had a lot of really tough ethical situations. And so I ended the day euthanizing an adorable kitten who had a treatable condition that the owners couldn't afford the treatment. It was pretty sick, but it, we, we opted for euthanasia. And I think that case kind of like pushed me over the edge a little bit. And I remember driving home from work that day and I just started like bawling and I had to pull off the side of the road. I'm just like having an emotional breakdown in the Walmart parking lot. Right. And 
finally realizing, and I remember calling my mom first and foremost and saying like, mom, what am I doing to myself? Like, why do I keep putting myself into this position? Because a lot of it was my own lack of boundary setting. And so me not taking care of myself, not advocating for myself. And I just remember, you know, just feeling I think it was a combination of exhaustion. I was emotionally, physically, and mentally exhausted. That's kind of one of the big signs of burnout in general. And I I just remember feeling like the work that I was doing didn't really matter. And so that's another common symptom of burnout is lack of accomplishment or feeling like the work that you're doing isn't making an impact. So even though looking back, I'm like, okay, obviously I was helping animals. I was helping clients. When you're in that severe burnout, you don't often feel like the work that you're doing matters. Sometimes people often feel cynical about the work that they're doing when they're experiencing burnout. I didn't really feel the cynicism as much, but definitely the exhaustion and the, that lack of accomplishment. And then also creeping in were feelings of, is this the right career choice for me? Did I choose the right profession? Maybe I should look into other professions and starting, I actually look for jobs outside of veterinary medicine and spoiler alert, being a high school teacher is not going to be less stressful than veterinary medicine, but, but you know, when you're in severe burnout, your brain thinks, you know, things like that. But those were some of the things that, that I recognized. And, and I think when I hit that low point, I really was able to then say, okay, I'm at the low point now and all we can do is go up. And so when I started seeking out resources, asking for help, advocating for myself, you know, seeking mentorship, things just got better and better from there. Thank you so much for sharing that. We hear a lot about burnout in veterinary medicine, but Sometimes I think it helps to hear firsthand stories of people who have experienced it and who can identify what exactly went on in their experience, because it might not always be obvious that that's what people are experiencing, that this is what burnout looks like. And one of the things you said that I related to was the feeling that what you're doing doesn't matter. Because I don't know that I would have identified it as that, but I, I, I did finally come back around and figure out what was going on. But I remember we had like this huge community tragedy in my area. We're, we're still kind of reeling from it to this day. But like, I definitely went through that period where I was like, what am I doing? Like, I need to, you know, go and, and make a meaningful impact on the world. And that's not what I'm doing. Turns out, guys, we really are making a meaningful impact on an individual and on a public health and on a, on a world level. But yeah, thank you for being so open and for sharing that because sometimes it can be hard to identify exactly what it is that you're feeling. For sure. And, and yeah, I think when you're working at that practice level, it can often feel like, especially if you're even having mild symptoms of burnout, that the work that you're doing doesn't matter, but you hit it, you got it exactly right. You know, collectively we're supporting public health. We're helping families. We're supporting the human animal bond. We're helping animals. There's so much good that we do as veterinarians that sometimes it's hard to see when you're keyed in so much or experiencing burnout. Absolutely. Well, let's go back to mentor vet here. This wonderful thing that, that sprung from your experiences. It's such a cool concept and you've done just an amazing job of turning concept into reality. Some of the things I've heard you talk about are research-based, leadership, good mentorship, things like that. Can you talk a little bit more in depth about some of the values that you find most important in the mentor vet mission? 
Yeah. So, you know, our mission starts with leveraging evidence-based approaches. And I think that when we're doing any type of well-being work or well-being initiatives, you know, around mental health and well-being, first and foremost, we want to do no harm. Not unlike, you know, our veterinary oath, we want to make sure that we're not hurting people, that we're helping them. So a lot of the ways that we do that is making sure that the work that we do is evidence-based and not only just evidence-based in our curriculum, but we also do rigorous research on understanding the stressors of the populations that we want to serve and then doing ongoing research and evaluation to make sure that the program is having the desired impact and, and being able to make shifts in the program if, if we need to. So we, we really um, leverage these evidence-based practices in a way that I feel like is often not done. And so I think that that's probably one of the most important values to us as far as our mission statement goes. You know, the second piece of this is that we are empowering individuals within the veterinary profession. And so I really believe that systemic change can occur if we all work together collectively. And often that starts at the individual level. And so a lot of our programs are focused at teaching individuals how to advocate for themselves and for others in their workplaces and how to create healthier work environments. And these are things that you don't have to be in a leadership role to do. I, I believe that everybody is a leader. And, and I think that if we all work together collectively at a large scale, that's how we are going to create some systemic change within the veterinary profession. So, you know, the third piece of the mission statement is transforming veterinary medicine into healthy communities for individuals and communities. So really thinking about how we are using these evidence-based approaches to empower individuals so that we transform veterinary medicine into to a healthy profession for everyone involved, both individually and collectively. So those are kind of some of the values that we follow. And I think it really kind of comes back to intentionality and within our practices. So we're very intentional about the programming that we create and then how we do things within the work that we're doing. You are speaking my language of, you know, clearly defined mission, clearly defined intentions, research and evidence base, you know, like you said, first do no harm. I mean, that's what, that's the foundation of, of a successful mission here. Let's talk a little bit about the role that Merck Animal Health has played in advancing these goals. Like you mentioned, they're your founding sponsor. So tell us a little bit about Merck's role here. Gosh, I wouldn't probably be here talking with you today if it wasn't for Merck support. They identified something within me and within MentorVet that I don't think I saw within myself and within MentorVet. And so when this was a research project, in my mind, I was like, okay, you know, I'm looking for jobs. Like this is going to be kind of a side thing that I do. You know, I'll help some people, but I really you know, it's hard for me to envision. I mean, I, I did envision a world in which it could be, you know, an international program, but I didn't see the steps to get there. And so what Merck did was really step in and help me with those steps to, to really launch it off the ground. And I think every step along the way, there has been the, those individuals that have supported me and mentor vets to really push us forward. And, you know, some of, some of that was like my research mentor on day one, you know, when I, I, she asked me to come up with three ideas of research projects I wanted to work on during the two years I was in the master's program. And I mentioned first the, this idea for kind of a national mentorship program. And, you know, I said, okay, do you want to hear the other two ideas? And she said, no, stop there. We're going to do that thing. And so we did, which set us off on a, a path that eventually led us to Merck Animal Health. And they became the founding sponsor in the spring of 21 and, and really just 
have elevated this initiative and in, in a way that I didn't know was possible. And so have helped not only, you know, financially, but also with mentoring me through this journey of growing this thing out of nothing, helping with connections and just the, the entire Merck team has really elevated MentorVet and myself. And it's just been a, a fantastic collaboration. And also as part of this collaboration, it was super exciting. So one of my kind of long-term, I call it life goals, right? We all have these life goals. So one of my life goals was to be on the, the Merck well-being study team, like Merck Animal Health Veterinary Well-Being Study. Like that's life goals. If I like am, you know, a well-being researcher at that caliber, then I might get invited to the to the research team, right? And so in the spring of 21, an individual from Merck sent me an email and, and said, Hey, would you want to be a collaborating researcher on the third phase of the Merck well-being study? I was like, oh, wait, what? Like, this is happening now? Like, oh, no, wait, what? Um, this is life goals. Like, what do I do now, right? So um, <laughs> through this collaboration, uh, I was able to work alongside some of the, you know, industry's top experts in veterinary mental health and well-being. And now starting to realize that I am one of those <laughs> experts has been a really humbling experience. And, and I think it's just really exciting to work on that project and really starting to understand well-being at an industry-wide level. Because my, my research in undergrad was really focused on early career well-being, but now having this knowledge and expertise industry-wide is really going to, to set us off on a path that will lead MentorVet in some really exciting directions. So. That is amazing. Congratulations on being part of the, the well-being study. That's awesome. Thanks. So a lot of what I'm hearing you say is that there were a lot of mentors along the way that helped you, hence your focus on making sure that mentorship is available to, to the rest of us out here in the, in the industry and in the field. Yes. Yeah. I think the, the way that we are going to succeed in this profession is by supporting one another, supporting ourselves and then also supporting one another. And, and I truly believe in the power of mentorship and not just kind of our traditional mentorship where you have a more experienced veterinarian mentoring a younger veterinarian, but peer mentorship. So helping one another in similar life stages. And we leverage a lot of peer mentorship practices within our program. And I think that if we can achieve a world in which we're all supporting one another, both, you know, the people that are one step behind us, as well as the people that are currently walking the same path as us, and we all mentor each other, we're going to have a much, much healthier profession. And so a lot of the work that we do within MentorVet is giving people the tools and the resources that they need to be effective mentors, because these are skills that we can learn. There's definitely some really naturally gifted mentors, but a lot of these tools and skills and knowledge can be developed over time. So that's also what we do a lot is empowering our mentors to feel capable of being able to support themselves and others in the profession. Very cool. And I'd love to talk about like what makes, you know, what defines a mentor, what makes a good mentor, what are, what are people looking for in a mentor? But before we do that, let's go back and talk about burnout, you know, about how, how we kind of individually and collectively got here to begin with that, you know, of course we can agree this is a problem in the field of veterinary medicine, but then there's the question of the reasons why, and it's easy to sit here and postulate and say, well, it's because of this, and probably this is contributing in X, Y, and Z, but what are some of the reasons that you've uncovered in your research? 
Yeah. So we know from the literature that, that burnout has been an issue in the profession for quite some time. Actually, most of the, the issues that we're seeing around mental health and well-being are not new. I think there's just a growing focus on these issues and, and there's really a movement to start talking about mental health and well-being. So, so first I always like to mention that these issues that we're seeing, it's not like things are skyrocketing or getting a lot worse and it's not like the sky is falling. These are issues that our profession has been facing for quite some time. And actually I'm excited because we're starting to talk about it and we're starting to develop initiatives. And so some of the stressors that we've seen historically in the research for the veterinary profession in general, one being, I think the, the unique intersection between finances and veterinary medicine. So people's ability to be able to afford the recommended treatments. So there can come with that a certain level of ethical dilemmas and moral stress that I think is, is a little unique to our profession. We also know that, you know, recently there, there has been an increase from the Merck wellbeing study. We found that serious psychological distress has increased over the last two years. Burnout did not, but serious psychological distress did. And one of the key factors for that was the COVID pandemic, which is not probably a huge surprise, but we did see that that had a big impact as well as shortages. Historically, we also know from the literature, things like student debt, conflict. So experiencing conflict within your team or with clients are also issues that we see causing stress. And I think that there's always going to be stressors within our profession. Like that's a given, like this profession is an inherently stressful profession, which is okay. If we know that, then there are things that we can do to be able to cope with that stress, things that we can do to learn how to navigate these situations. And so, you know, thinking back on the moral stress piece, learning tools on how to cope with moral stress or how to talk to clients about finances, or we know that conflict is an inherent stressor. So let's take some conflict management courses. So I think the stressors are important to mention, but I think it's also important to note that some of these won't go away. And we, we also can do things to be able to cope with them in a healthy way so that we can be sustainable in our careers. Yes. I love that. Like focus on reality of look, there's just parts of this job that are never going to go away. They're never going to stop being stressful. So let's figure out how to handle them in a, in a healthy and appropriate way and separate ourselves from uh, that. That may not be the right approach, but that's where my mind goes is like being able to, to not internalize all of that and separate yourself from that situation. So it's not like, you know, like you said, the sky is falling, the world is falling apart. It's these stressful situations happened today. And how can I, how can I step back from them? Yeah. And I think it's about having, you know, healthy methods for dealing with stress. And we know from the Merck wellbeing study, there's things that we can do both organizationally and individually for a lot of these stressors. So kind of looking at the individual level, the number one thing, or, or one of the top predictors for good mental health and well-being, was feeling like you have a healthy way to manage your stress. So one thing that you can do is start to come up with a stress management plan. So knowing what you do when you get stressed out and being able to do those things so you can reduce your stress and looking at stress management, not only as like self-care and basic things like exercise, sleep, nutrition, but looking at self-care as like, I'm setting healthy boundaries for myself so I can practice the healthy self-care thing. I'm advocating for a healthier workplace so that some of these stressors might decrease. I'm learning communication skills so I can cope with these stressors a little bit better. And then organizationally, I think there's also a lot of things that we can do as leaders to help our teams out in, in these situations. And I think, you know, first acknowledging that there is an issue and then being able to really 
talk to your team, listen, ask them what the issues are, and then try to come up together with perhaps just one thing that you're going to work on to decrease stress within your team and, and kind of implement a targeted intervention within the workplace. So that's kind of one thing that we can do organizationally, but I think building that workplace community, providing resources, providing flexibility and and this work-life integration, I think are all things that we can do. So I think we have to work together both as organizations and individuals, we both have to take responsibility for this issue if we're going to make an impact on well-being. I love that. I love that. So you mentioned staffing issues and in particular being short-staffed in terms of support staff being a contributor to burnout, which I don't think came as any surprise. Is that because the burnout issues are affecting our technicians, CSRs, nurses, practice managers as well, or are they different? Yeah, we, we actually did find that. Um, so this Merck wellbeing study was the first time we looked at the support staff data, and we did find that the support staff had higher levels of burnout than veterinarians. And so about half of the staff that we surveyed, like about 450 staff that answered the survey, about half of those individuals were experiencing high levels of burnout and about a quarter were experiencing moderate levels of burnout. So essentially that means that 75% of our support staff was experiencing moderate to severe burnout. And this is compared to veterinarians where we were at about 60% were experiencing moderate to severe burnout. So we do know that our support staff do seem to be at a little bit higher risk for burnout. And also looking at our data, we saw that retention is an issue among the support staff as well. So we had a higher proportion of veterinary staff that felt like they were likely to leave the profession in the next two years. So I think that a lot of the the stressors and the burnout on our support staff is putting also a lot of stress uh, on, on the veterinarians as well. And so I think it just kind of compounds the issue. I think this is this is such a complex issue that we're facing. And, and often I, I see several big issues that our industry is starting to talk about right now. I think well-being is one of those. I think diversity and inclusion is one of those. That's a big issue. And then I think that also spectrum of care discussion or providing care given limited client finances. And, and what I'm seeing is that these are all interrelated issues. And so if we are going to make the most impact, we have to think about not only how are we promoting well-being, but how are we being inclusive in the profession and how are we building diversity within our profession? Because we know that this is an issue. And then how are we increasing access to care because this compounds the stress for the veterinarians. And this is also, you know, a DEI related issue, which is access to care. So all of these things are interrelated. So it, it gets quite complex in the work that I do. <laughs> you're looking at it from a very high level, but, but you're right. I mean, all these things do eventually weave together. That was a big number that you just mentioned when we're talking about support staff that, you know, three quarters of them are experiencing stress and burnout and a large number that are highly likely to leave the profession. Unfortunately, I don't think it's like a huge shock to hear those numbers, but, you know, to say like, Hey, there's actual data here to support what perceptions may be out there. Are those due to the same reasons that we're seeing stress and burnout in veterinarians? Basically the question being, do the stressors and the recourse measures for support staff, do they look similar for them as they do for veterinarians or are they different? I think it's similar. I think for our support team, we have to also think about compensation as a, as a huge stressor. So if they aren't feeling like they're having a fair compensation, I think that can be not only are they worrying about or having to worry about the stress within the practice and the daily stressor, but then also if you're, if you're not making enough money to support yourself and your family 
family, that adds a whole nother dimension to this. And that's not, you know, pulling from our specific research, but that's just issues that I've seen within the profession. We do know from our research though, with the Merck study that the COVID-19 pandemic did seem to impact the staff a little bit more and especially the, the shorthandedness of the team. And so that definitely impacted our support staff at a little bit higher rate, but we do again, see, I think it's pretty similar stressors, but I would just add in there for the team, the, the compensation piece. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense that, that, you know, there's a difference there in terms of the stressors. So in general, I think we've laid a really good basis on the need for good mentorship and how important that is and for research and good data into stress and well-being in veterinary medicine. So now let's kind of get into the how. Tell us a little bit about MentorVet or a little bit more about MentorVet. What is it? How does it work? Yeah. So MentorVet is a mentorship and professional development program. It's about a five month program. The, the required aspect of the program is monthly online learning modules in um, some type of professional skills. So our early career vets, so this is for recent grads who've graduated within the past five years, they move through this self-paced curriculum. They cover concepts like self-care, leadership, cultural humility, conflict management, ethical decision-making and coping with moral stress, and then providing care given limited client finances. So all the stressors that we see that are heightened in the early career. And as they're working through these modules, it takes about two hours a month or so, highly interactive. There's kind of some assignments within the curriculum, but at the end of each module, they meet in small groups on Zoom for about an hour a month. And so they move through the program with the same cohort of about five to 10 veterinarians. And what this cohort does is it provides a safe space to talk about some of the challenges that you might be facing in the transition to practice. And then it also gives them the opportunity to apply some of the knowledge that they are learning within the modules. And so that piece of the program is kind of what affords them 10 CE credits at the end of the program. So you do get CE credits for participating. And then we have a lot of uh, optional resources available to our early career vets that are included within the price of the program. So they can access a mental health professional for mental health coaching if a mental health need arises during the program. We have financial coaches on the team that can help really provide some individualized feedback on your personal finances and navigating student debts and things like budgeting. We also have paired mentorship. So all of our mentors have been trained in suicide prevention and emotional support. And really the goal of the paired mentorship is to have somebody who can be an emotional supporter, you know, somebody who can help support you as you're transitioning into your career to just be a sounding board. So our mentors, kind of some of their big responsibilities are things like listening and being a confidential support system and being able to provide feedback if needed. And so a lot of the, the skills we teach them along the way and some of those listening and, and feedback skills. And typically our mentees will meet with their mentor for about an hour at the start of the program. And then they kind of decide from there what they want the relationship to look like. So is this something more informal where I just text you if I need anything, or is this something that we're going to meet once every week or once every month? We have mentees and mentors that have all kinds of mentoring plans. And I think that just really gives them somebody else outside of their practice setting to really connect with. Because oftentimes these things, we, we might not feel as comfortable about talking about within the practice yet. And so having somebody to bounce ideas off of and say, Hey, I've got this conflict going on at work. How should I go about navigating this? And just somebody to help you through some of those more challenging moments in your career. 
and really somebody to, to empower you to be successful. So, so that's kind of the overall pieces of the program. We I think are really just excited to see the larger community growing because you know, not only are you having the support within your cohorts and your small group cohorts, but you also have the support of an entire community now of, you know, over 300 veterinarians within our community of mentors and mentees combined. And it's such a great community because it's all individuals who want to support themselves and each other within the profession. So it's just a a wonderful community that is growing currently. Very cool. Very cool. And such an amazing resource for, for early career veterinarians. I'm sure many like me, want to know how do we get involved, whether it's from a mentorship perspective and we, we want to help mentor or from a mentee perspective and, and feeling like we need some mentorship. So whichever goal we have in mind, how do we get involved in MentorBet? Yeah. So a few things I would recommend one following us on Instagram or LinkedIn can be really helpful to just keep getting updates about things going on in our community. But then if you want to get involved visiting our website, so it's mentorvet.net. You can learn more specifically about the program. You can join the program on the website if you want to be a mentee within the community. And you can also inquire about volunteer mentorship there as well. So we have a tab on the website that talks about what does it mean to be a mentor? What are the steps involved? And you can inquire about mentorship on the website as well. And then one of our team members will reach out to you and get you connected within our community. So yeah, I think just following us along on our journey. And and if you want to get involved, we'd love to have you. We also offer quite a few scholarships within the program as well. So there's certain practice groups that we have relationships with that provide scholarships to their veterinarians within their communities. So if you see that scholarship application float by your email, give it a second look and, and think about joining the program because we would love to have you within our community. Absolutely. And I put you on the spot earlier. I'm going to do it again. Since you've been doing this, do you have any particular success stories that you can share with us just to, you know, I think you've done an amazing job talking about what mentor vet is and why it's so important. Do you have any kind of like anecdotes that will illustrate the positive impact this program's having? Yeah. I mean, I have like so many stories and it's just, (laughs) it's, it's hard to pick one. I think The one that comes to my mind first, I had a mentee one time that told me about kind of her experiences in the program. And, and she said that at the start of the program, going through the first module on self-care, we talk about recognizing burnout and I'll circle this about around to the, the beginning conversation that we had of often we don't even realize that there is an issue until it's really severe. Right. And so she didn't realize that there, that there was an issue. And when she went through the, the self-care module on burnout, and we talked about the symptoms of burnout and how to recognize it within herself, she told me she broke down. She's like, I just realized that I was burnt out and I didn't know it. And then the program gave me the tools that I needed to be able to talk to my supervisors about how I was feeling so that we could make changes to make me happier within this workplace. And they did make the changes. They worked together. So the organization did things to support her and made some small shifts. And now, you know, when she was talking to me and she's like, now I'm doing great and I'm happier than I ever have been at this practice. And that is not an isolated story. I've heard this story, you know, many times within our community and it, and it's just so, so amazing to see how something 
that was built and that I built that is, you know, making such an impact on people's lives. It still blows my mind to see it happening, but just the structures that we create these safe environments to talk about these challenges that our veterinarians are experiencing. One common theme that I hear in our research is that vets who go through our program feel like they're not isolated or alone anymore. So we're building this sense of belonging and community through our program that then ripples out into the rest of the profession. And so seeing that they are taking these tools and I had, you know, I'll tell one final story. We had another vet who was kind of in a, a leadership role within her practice and and she was like so excited about all the material. She was just taking all these tools back to her practice, teaching the vet techs, teaching the CSRs, like, you know, everybody teaching them these conflict management skills. And so the, the ripple impacts of something like this and seeing it being instituted within our practices, I think is what really gets me excited because I think that again, collective action and, and local leadership is, is what is going to change our profession. Absolutely. Absolutely. Such cool stories. And, and I can hundred percent appreciate how those are not isolated incidents because you're giving people the tools that they need to improve the situation, not only for themselves, but like you said, for everybody around them. So as a profession, you know, as one person finds the ways to, to deal with stress and burnout it, overall that, that impacts everybody around them in a positive way. So very cool. Addie, this has been such a, such a great conversation. I'm so glad that we got to talk about mentor vet, because I'll be honest, I really didn't know about it before this conversation. And, and I think everybody should know about it. So thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, it was a great chat, good, good questions. And I'm just really excited to get the word out about mentor vet because we are growing and my hope is soon that any, any new and recent grad that wants to take part in this program will be able to have access to it. So, um, stay tuned about our, our future plans for growth and expansion. <laughs> Very cool. I look forward to hearing more about it and, and hopefully we can get the information out about all of that as well. Thank you. Thanks Cassie. I hope you guys found that conversation as fun as I did. And whether you're a mentee or a mentor are hungry to learn more about it. Further resources can be found at mentorvet.net. Dr. Reinhardt, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. And thank you to Merck Animal Health for sponsoring. For more episodes like this, click on the education tab on the Vetfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this talk as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day. <laughs> <laughs>